All right, so, so we're in session two. Just to kind of get, get some of you guys up to speed and um, to remind everyone what we did last time, session one was really focused on um, what, the importance of membership in, in a local church. Why is that important? So Steve kind of talked about uh, kind of an overview of God's plan for saving a people, redeeming a people, um, to dwell with him for all eternity. And one of the ways that is manifested is in distinct local churches throughout the world, among all the nations of the world. And it is within these local churches that uh, we make commitments to each other. We love each other, we care for each other, we encourage each other, we help each other on this um, journey of life that is often fraught with danger and suffering and sin and um, a lot of opportunities to give up and but that is one of God's gifts to us and in the church I love if you were here last week Steve preached on the, the ordinary means of grace that um, the Lord gives to the church um, to strengthen our faith to build us up to uh, remind us that this is um, there is a sure and certain end to all of this pain and suffering and sin in this world and we look forward to that day um, we did talk about just for you guys. So we, we're going through the six weeks uh, of class. Um, this is kind of an open time to ask questions. Um, I'm talking about like the six weeks. We probably won't have tons of time uh, in here to kind of hash stuff out, but we'll, we'll kind of cover things at a high level in here. And then we just want to let you know we're open for questions. Me, Steve, and Kale. Um, we certainly will meet with you guys um, if you're interested. You can get to the end of this. Uh, I mean, I think you've heard Steve's heart. Like our our desire for you and last week's uh, motivation was like we want you all to be part of healthy local churches. Maybe that's this church, and um, we would love it if it was this church. But if it's not, it would we would gladly. There's so many healthy churches uh, around that we would. Uh, want to see where God would have you. So if you go through the, this class and at the end of it you're like, hey, I'm just not, um, something doesn't seem right or I'm just not feeling it, that's okay. We want to still walk with you through that and see if there's, um, um, maybe it's something little, um, maybe it's something that's not and that's okay. Um, so, um, so the process for becoming a member, um, I'm going to say page 11 and 12, um, just kind of, um, if you weren't here last week, you can kind of look at that of um, what what's going to happen in the next six weeks. And following those six weeks, we'll, we have some steps along the way to uh, complete the membership process. So um, take a look at that on your own time. All right, so session two today. So over the next two weeks, we're going to kind of talk about um, our distinctives. Uh, when we talk about our distinctives, hey Adam. Yeah, we're good. You're good? It's fine. All right. You're welcome. Um, do you have your thing from last week? Yeah. Okay, cool. Sorry. We're in uh, session two today. Uh, so, some of you know Sovereign Grace Church. We're part of a family of churches. You could call it a denomination, you could call it a network of churches. Um, uh, but there is a um, um, interdependence between our family of churches. We're not just um, 
uh, like-minded, but we also um, join together in a lot of things with, when it comes to our doctrine, our mission, and even our governance. So, so the next two weeks, we're going to kind of talk about our distinctives. Now, our distinctives are not like um, the most important things about us. That's something I want to say out of front. Um, you can, there's a, um, it did, oh, I was going to ask, did everyone register on the link? At least one of you guys? So I should have everyone's email. So I'm gonna send this whole thing uh, digitally to you guys this week, because there's some links in here that, um, some sermons and different things like that. that uh, yeah, can you just put it on here? If you registered online, that's still Make sure you Yeah. <laughs> When you say distinctives, could you define that? You mean like what you do differently than the... Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. So, so let me, before I do distinctives, let me talk about what we kind of generally believe. So, uh, so we have a statement of faith that defines um, everything we believe. If you're part of a Sovereign Grace Church anywhere, we all um, subscribe to that statement of faith. And it is, it's a beautiful statement of faith. It's not um, thin. Um, it's not petty. It is very worshipful. So if you read it, it's you could literally read it for your devotional and um, draw near to God through it. So I love our statement of faith. And the pastors of Sovereign Grace Church has kind of worked on it over like a seven-year period to, to develop that. So it's not perfect by any means, but uh, it's not new either. What, one of the cool things about our statement of faith is it is that there's nothing like overtly new about it. Um, we would say we are in line with historic Christianity and um, in, all, in, in the most important things we believe about who God is, who Jesus is, the Trinity, gospel, um, how you're saved, um, heaven, hell, um, all those things we are very much in line with historic Christianity. As far as what part of the Christian world we kind of fit into, um, the, the branch of church history, we would be in the Protestant branch, and then um, after that it gets a little unique for us, we're kind of in the Reformed branch, and then a little bit in the Charismatic branch. So Unique yeah. for Sovereign Grace or this church right here? Unique for Sovereign Grace, like as far as our family of churches. Yeah, so all of us, um, we all kind of, we believe the same thing on paper. Some of our practices may be a little different. There, there's just going to be a different culture, a little different flavor, depending on who's leading. Mm -hmm. um, but on paper, we all kind of, um, if you're pastors, you affirm the statement of faith fully, basically. From the corporate? From, yes. Yeah. And there's, that's the link on your thing there. Um, on your, so so now, now I guess to your point, what are our distinctives? So distinctives are really what kind of sets us apart from other churches. And um, uh, th these are emphases in our uh, theology and our practice that kind of gives us a pretty unique identity. Uh, and, and when I say unique, I don't mean that to say better. I don't mean that to say superior. Uh, it's just unique. It is things that we believe are biblical and not trying to be unique for the sake of being unique, but like we just think it affects it just has so many practical ramifications for what we believe about God, and what we believe about our practice together. Um, um, yeah, basically those two things. 
Um, so that's why we kind of emphasize these seven distinctives about us. Um, now, there, there are aspects in, the, so what does this mean for membership? Let me just kind of relate that to you. Um, there, these are not things that, uh, like, if you're not all in and believe these things completely with us, that you can't be a member of this church. That's not what these distinctives are. But these distinctives are trying to say that the pastors and the denomination as a whole, we are convinced of these by scripture and we're compelled to practice these. Um, these are not like um, things we would kind of set aside. Um, now, if you're kind of in process of kind of like, hey, some of these things, I'm just, I'm just not there. Like, I just need some help. Um, I just kind of want to take things slow. That is totally fine. Even in our church, there, there are folks in the church that would come to some of these things and they're just like, and I've tried, I've looked at, I've listened to all y'all for like years and I'm just like not there. Um, you can still be that person and still be a member of this church. I think it really depends how you hold to that position. I think if you feel like um, just in your conscience that like, yeah, I just feel like this isn't right. This is, um, then it might be hard for you to be a member here. Uh, if you're just kind of like opposed to some of these things, <laughs> then that would be kind of like a, um, you're like, dude, this is just wrong, this is unbiblical, then that would be hard to be a member here. Uh, but certainly, I, I think there, there might be things or words or some concepts we kind of talk about here over the next couple of weeks that may be new and maybe jarring, potentially, or maybe things you've heard about and you're like, I thought everyone believed these, like, what's the big deal? And that's fine, we're, 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 all, in, we're all in different spaces, so. Um, so over the next two weeks, uh, it's going to be a very brief overview. So um, today we're going to talk about the first three of the seven. So let me just go through the first, uh, or just read all of them. Uh, I kind of want to redo these. I, there's kind of some big words here. Don't be um, turned off by them. That's just kind of what they are as kind of we've decided as a family of churches. So we kind of retain the big words. Uh, but we'll talk about each of these and kind of unpack what that means. So, Reformed Soteriology, Gospel-Centered Doctrine and Preaching, Continuationist Pneumatology, Complementarian Leadership in the Home and the Church, Elder-Governed and Elder-Led Churches, Church Planting, Outreach, and Global Mission, United in Fellowship, Mission, and Governance. So, let's just dive in, just because we... Um, um, these are pretty heavy topics, at least the first first three are kind of uh, a little bit more uh, heavy. So, Reformed Soteriology, this is basically kind of a simpler way of saying it is God initiates and completes our salvation. Um, I could define that word more, but it doesn't matter. Uh, that's basically in summary what we're trying to say. And when you see that phrase, you're like, God initiates and completes our salvation, you're like, duh, like, what, why, why wouldn't anyone believe that. Um, well, there's a lot of people that don't believe that, so that's why it's kind of a distinctive. It's something that we feel like is important to emphasize um, because we think scripture speaks of it that way. So I'm, I'm going to kind of read a couple of things verbatim here just so we can follow along. And, and feel free to ask questions if, it, if I feel like it's going to require a longer discussion. Um, totally. Maybe asking good questions is a way to for all of us to, to get ourselves thinking, and then maybe we'll just um, discuss um, over, over the weeks. 
At Sovereign Grace Churches, our understanding of salvation emphasizes the truth that God does everything from first to last to save sinners. We don't save ourselves. The whole process of being saved by grace through faith is a gift of God and not of our own doing. So let's consider our understanding of God's sovereign grace and salvation and the practical implications for our lives. So this is something that um, you're probably getting a clue here. Um, the name sovereign grace kind of is emphasizing this particular distinction that God is sovereign in uh, saving sinners. And we just think that is a very beautiful doctrine to um, behold and to embrace and to, because we feel like, I think sometimes we think, well, well, why does that matter at the end of the day? Like, you know, who even knows how God does X, Y, Z? Um, but I think if God has revealed himself in a particular way, that's important for us to, to know and embrace and cherish. And sometimes that's hard to do. And, and man, if you read your Bibles, there, there's like, I, sometimes I'm cringing. I'm like, whoa, is this, is this, is this really God? Is this the God that I worship? But that is the God I worship, you know? <laughs> and he's beautiful and worthy of praise and, and and if I'm cringing, there's probably something wrong in my understanding and my, um, yeah, basically my understanding <clears throat> and my sinfulness and in, in, in seeing God. Can yeah. Can you define sovereign? Yeah. Um, <laughs> sovereign uh, just um, reigns over all, rules and reigns. So, like, in kind of a theological sense, we would say, like, absolute control over all things. Like there is, there's one pastor that said there's not one rogue molecule in the entire universe. So like everything is created, sustained, and governed by God. Um, now ultimately, um, I, what we're not saying, maybe sometimes it's helpful to say that, we're not saying that... Um, that somehow we are robots, or that um, everything is determined in such a way that we are not responsible for our actions and our choices. So the choices we face are absolutely real, and they have consequences. And um, it's hard, <laughs> hard to not see that when you read scripture, but scripture also says that God is absolutely in control of all things. Um, so even when we hold to this doctrine, we're not trying to say we understand fully how these two truths kind of fit together. Um, but what we don't want to do is be like, <clears throat> minimize um, the truth of both things, that God is absolutely in control of all things, and we are responsible for our, all of our choices and actions. Right? How those fit together, I don't know if I've read anyone that has like, at least to my mind, satisfactorily kind of been like, oh, yeah, that's how God works. Yeah, we figured this out, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, got it. Um, but uh, what, what there are, the churches that I kind of come from, I kind of come from more in Assemblies of God uh, background. Um, they would they would agree with aspects of what I'm going to share here, but there are aspects of it that they would bulk and probably... And it's more on the sovereignty side. Like, it's basically saying God is in control of everything. That's kind of like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's what the sentence of God is. 
Yeah, and, and a lot of other denominations. That's just kind of where, where I came from. Um, so let me summarize kind of, um, so there's five bullet points here, kind of the high-level bullet points. I'm, I'm just going to read them off. And, um, and then if you have questions, kind of talk about that. But basically it kind of hangs on these five um, high-level scriptural principles. All mankind is dead to sin. Um, since the fall, we are dead in our sins and trespasses, unable to choose God on our own. Uh, number two, believers are chosen by God in eternity past. So from all the peoples of the earth, God has sovereignly, in his love, chosen to save some people for himself in eternity past. So the point about eternity past is it's not based on anything you did, would do, there's nothing good about you personally that has caused God to be like, oh, I'll choose Dan over, you know, someone else. It is God's sovereign choice. Um, three believers were purchased by God with the atoning work of Jesus Christ on the cross. So the big point there is like the death of Christ on the cross. It it intended to save a particular people, the people that God chose in eternity past. Um, what other folks might say is that the death of Jesus made salvation um, possible. You know, that there's a potential that everyone could choose, no thanks, Jesus, and like, then no one would be saved ever. You know, that's, that there's potential for that. We would say, no, there's no chance of that. Um, God chose, and <laughs> Jesus went and died for them, and the Holy Spirit went and applied and brought all those people into God's family. Like there is a plan and it was carried out to with God's intention and it's being carried out to God's uh, intention to save those he chose. Number four, believers respond in faith because the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, so I think a lot of people would generally <laughs> believe that that's um, we respond in faith because the Holy Spirit opens our eyes to see the truth of our sin and God's grace. And number five, um, believers will persevere until the end. I think that just kind of hangs on the other ones. It's like, man, if God chose, if Jesus died for, if the Holy Spirit saved you and indwells you, well, of course you're going to make it to the end. And that's just super, super encouraging. Um, so let, let me just stop there. I mean, there's a bunch of verses in there and, and sub points, but um, let me just ask what questions kind of stand out or what kind of is easy or difficult, or if you just have anything to share, you can. I think most of my, like, upfront questions were more going back over what we went over last week and, like, that stuff, okay. less on the part of these two pages of what we have. Okay. Um, yeah. And I think the one that comes to my first hand is, like, with number five, the you know, we'll persevere to the end. It's like, it it's even, speaks even more to the beauty of God because other, like, small letter deities, like, they have a cruel ending. Like, it's not you persevere to the end. They may even give you some hope, but then it's like, you know, just cut losses or whatever. Yeah. And so just, like, resting in the allness of, of God and his reality that, like, he chose, and he's making a way, and so, like, even when we're in the messy parts, like, we can hold to that truth to, like, keep going. Yeah, that's so good. <laughs> yeah. 
that's encouraging. Like it fits. That you don't realize kind of the impact of holding these views because in and I, I don't know. Everyone, everyone has a story here, but potentially, uh, I mean, I, I used to hear sermons very regularly on how you can lose your salvation, and, and there was just kind of a sense of like, dude, you better get your act together, or you're going to lose your salvation. And some people do well under that pressure, but most people will just be just, <laughs> uh, you know, kind of morphs into a form of works based yeah, salvation. It, yeah, it, it, yeah. It, it definitely does. So, um, yeah, it's 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 very troubling, you know, to to kind of have that. Um, so, l let me talk about these uh, four practical implications. Um, I think it's helpful to know the practical implications, um, but I also want to say if there was no practical implications, and God was like, "This is who I am," that would be enough of a reason to believe these things, you know, but God is good and gracious and who he is does bring joy and peace and all sorts of things to us. Um, but, but here are, uh, there's probably many more, we just kind of came up with four here. Brings glory to God by eliminating all human boasting and salvation. There's nothing I can say that I contribute to my salvation other than my sin, you know. And can you believe if you're part of a community where like everyone that's kind of a baseline thing. It's like how we approach each other. It's going to be different. It's like, man, I don't bring anything to the table except my sin and weakness. Is that a question? Um, I had a question about a different section. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Go for it. it. Okay. Um, so, obviously, uh, throughout the uh, just the history of the churches, like the whole factor of this being a reformed church is difficult. Um, you hear the word predestination and a lot of uh, barriers come through that. So, yeah. um, do you, was there anything further that maybe you could share with us for kind of grappling with that, what that means? Yeah. Um, and how that looks. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so predestination is a word that, I don't know if it's used in here or not, but it's a very biblical <laughs> word. Um, it, it's in the uh, Ephesians passage, or predestined. Yeah. Yeah, let's, let's just read it. Maybe we can just go off of there. So, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, this is under two, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Yeah, we, we would wholeheartedly embrace uh, all of that. Um, is there a part of that that's hard for you? Uh, I know it has been in past. Yeah. And so, I, it's, uh, I, well, and I've been, a, I've attended, um, a PCA church and an Assemblies of God church, but um, I think kind of in my younger days it was it was kind of a, a, a kind of shockwave. And like if you go back to the 1600s in Europe, like there's a lot of a lot of fights yeah. <laughs> about what that looks like. And uh, we talked about how well, these distinctions are things that still exist, like in not just like the Sovereign Grace Church, but the church as a whole body of believers yeah. following Jesus. Um, why we are seg segmented the way we are. Yeah. Um, 
but I don't know if there was anything. Um, yeah, I mean, the thought. Go if I could yeah, go for it. Um, I think what's helped me is um, when I first became Reformed, I was like gung ho, and over the years, I've actually I'm still Reformed, but I've I've kind of I don't know my I, at first I wanted to just I wanted to be this Reformed guy, you know I was like oh I'm a part of this camp, and then slowly I, I just felt like my heart kind of morphed into uh, more worship toward God and the love of people a little bit stronger, and one thing that's really helped me is understanding that the default position for all of us is eternal separation from the Lord. So when you think about election, it's it's not, it's God saving people out of what we all deserve as opposed to us all deserving to be with the Lord forever, you know, and then God just choosing for some of us to go uh, to hell. It's, it's not, it should be thought of in the reverse of we all deserve. We're all on that broad path that leads to destruction and the Lord is rescuing by His grace, He has no obligation to do such, but because He's good and His glory overflows, He saves many. Um, and that that's helped me. And you know, I recently uh, lost my, my little brother a few weeks ago, and we don't know where he where he's at, but what's helped me is to focus on God's character and His goodness. And I'm thinking about the thief on the cross. It's not about how, if you've lived the whole life of these you know, oh, look at these good works. It's not about that. It's purely by God's grace. And um, apart from that, we would we would all be uh, separated from Him forever. And so predestination is, I more so look at it as God rescuing us from that, what we all deserve, as opposed to keeping us from heaven as if we deserve heaven. I don't know if that's helpful. Isn't there a verse that says He wants all to be saved? I mean, His heart is for all of us. Yeah. Well, and I, I know, like, so in the times that I've grappled with this specifically, because it is a pretty black and white topic, um, it makes me think, you know, just, just in my personal uh, criticality of things, like, well, why, why do we even try to evangelize? Because, well, you know, if this person doesn't even have the opportunity, or, like, what if they're not going to listen to me, and what if I don't plant any seeds? So, like, what's the, you know, that, that's being very critical, very... Uh, uh, um, pessimistic so it, it just um, there, there's like just the fear yeah. of like well if God's already determined everybody who he's mm -hmm. going to do like what, what what point is there for me to help share this with someone you know it, it, but that's that's just no one I think I have, I have a thought um, on that um, specifically um, it's because God chooses to use us as his tools to spread the word mm -hmm. that's, that, that's, that's how, how I've always understood that and so if God chooses to use us as his tools to spread the word, or we just hate it all. Yeah, that, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of debate. What are some of your thoughts and, and like, how you guys run the sovereign grace on, like, what's been shared here? Um, what are our thoughts on what? Like, like Kyle shared some stuff and Adam yeah. shared some stuff. Do you, would you say that you agree with that? Or yeah, yeah I, I would agree with what Kyle and Adam said. Um, I think these are like pretty jarring. It was a very jarring doctrine to kind of. Yeah, sorry. Like, this I, I get it. This is a huge reform theology that obviously people have not agreed with for centuries. Yeah. So, yeah. sorry. <laughs> no, 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 I totally understand. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's arguments against it. Um, obviously, we. So, so that's why we kind of want. We would love, like, everything that you sh 
the, these questions have been asked in uh, you know over the centuries, and like I feel like I've found satisfying answers to them. Some people have not, and I understand that these are not like something that I'd be like, that was such a dumb question. Like why? What? It, there's no, these are very real questions, and they are jarring to the mind because it kind of goes against the grain of, I think, our default understanding of who <laughs> who God is and who we are. Um, <clears throat> so I get it. I man, I, I love talking about this stuff. So I would love to talk about it more with you. Um, it also depends on who you've had speaking them into you and how they that's good like yeah. demonstrated it can yeah. be harmful. You know, yeah. and it's hard to read out the yeah. what God and whatever. So no, and that's a we're really, all the same, bro. <laughs> there's really very good point here because like I, I hate the word reform sometimes because like of what that the baggage that entails and the type of personalities that are at the you know that have used this to bang people over the head or you know just make people feel stupid all that, all that stuff is very real and it's not like it was in the 16th century it was like this past week on Twitter, you know, uh, it, it, it's, so it's, it is, but, but I will say how we hold this doctrine is with, and how the culture that Steve has created in holding these doctrines, because I think you can hold these doctrines in a way that is humble and um, enjoy them and even wrestle with them uh, without, um, you know, <clears throat> banging them over people's heads. Um, but we do want to say it's a distinctive because it's not like something where like, oh, we're trying to figure this out, like we're just not sure where we're at. It's like we've done that for a long time and <clears throat> and this is kind of the conclusions we've kind of come to through scripture and, you know, we've all had kind of different. So but how that works out in Sovereign Grace, maybe this, this is kind of your question here. You will probably never hear the word reformed in a sermon. You'll probably never hear the word Calvinism in a sermon. Here or in Sovereign Grace? Oh, in, in our church. I can only speak to our church. But like any Sovereign Grace church I've been to, you probably wouldn't hear that. These are kind of like assumptions kind of that inform our the way we approach Scripture, the way we kind of come at Scripture. So the conclusions drawn from this are in every sermon every week. <laughs> so, so that's kind of the expanse of the reach of something like this, right? Um, and also informs the council. So if you come to pastors and you know, counsel for different situations in your life, these these truths kind of, you know, we just don't know where else to go. These truths about God's sovereignty and goodness are like so important to us to help us through suffering. Um, what was the other word? You said reformed? Uh, Calvinism. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, those are not biblical, uh, explicitly biblical words, but predestination you'll hear. You'll hear the word election. Those are biblical words, so when, they, when we come across those things. Um, so it's more kind of infused in, like, our understanding of um, everything. I mean, I, you see Scripture completely differently through, through these lenses. Um, um, and you see people differently as well. So there's, there's, So we're not hiding those biases by any means. That is just what it is. Huh. But yeah. thank you for entertaining that. And I know that not everybody who was here last week, um, maybe this is something that not everybody knew about Sovereign Grace. So I appreciate you exploring that experience yeah. further and for all the additional insights, guys. Thank you. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, all right.
I knew that was going to be the hardest one, and I was going to take the most time on that, so it's okay. Let me just read these four implications here. It causes us to marvel at our salvation and produces thanksgiving and praise. It's all from God, and God gets all the glory. It makes us secure in, our, in the unchurched, changing purposes of God and bringing me to glory. And he's already determined to bring me. There's nothing that's going to uh, separate me from his love. Um, all right. Um, okay. Maybe I should just talk about this because I'm dying to answer your question. Um, so we would say, um, number five here, I'm curious what you would think about this. We would say it fuels evangelism, giving me confidence that God will indeed save his people while removing me, removing from me the pressure to argue people into the kingdom. So, so we would see evangelism, here's how we'd understand it. We'd be like, hey, I have no idea who God has chosen, right? I have no idea. That's not information God has given me. What God has told me to do is preach the gospel indiscriminately to absolutely everyone. That's my job. Um, that's all of our jobs as a church, right? But it gives me confidence that when I'm doing that, like, that it's going to work. How do I know that's going to work? I don't know it's going to work because I'm super smart. I don't know it's going to work if I say the exact right things or, like, if I have all the arguments for the existence of God. Like, all these things aren't, like, uh, the determining factor in saving some. The determining factor is, like, man, I know God has saved some people out there. And like Adam said, uh, he's going to use people in the church to save those people. So that's why um, that's why there's hope in evangelism. It's like there's people out there who are among the lost sheep and God is sending us to go preach the gospel to them. Uh, so we're not of the people that were like, hey, we know who like God has chosen or not. That's not a thought that has ever crossed our minds in like preaching or anything like that. We're just like, that is the secret things. Those are things that belong to God, and He has not revealed that to us. And there's no point in us, like, as far as to me, like, I'm just like every person is a potential person from a human perspective that um, belongs to God. And if I can preach the gospel faithfully to them, pressure's off me. I'm just like, dude, I did what God asked me to, and like, now God and the Holy Spirit will will do their part. And, and it also doesn't mean. I also don't want it to be an unengaged type of, like, well, I just did my job. It's like, no, we plead with the Lord. You know, God uses prayers. He uses the preaching of the gospel. Um, I mean, you guys all have potentially family members or or friends that you're, you're I mean, I want them to be saved. And, yeah, we pray and preach the gospel to them. And um, we pray that the Lord would save them. Yeah, but, it, but it's not ultimately... The pressure is not on me at the end of the day. Like it's not like, oh, if I could do have one more conversation, or if I just do this X Y Z, maybe they'll come to know the Lord. Um, or if it'll all come unhinged if you don't. Or if it'll all come unhinged right. if you don't. God's God can take it. Be <coughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a good way of using this doctrine. Is there an unhealthy way? And could, could you just kind of just sit on your back and just be like, well, God's chosen everyone? Yeah. You totally could, but you're. You're just being lazy, and you're not like seeing how scripture. You're not talking about how all of scripture approaches this question. So, like, and there's ways to distort every doctrine. This is no different. We we can definitely do that. But we think there's enough weight and value that it. I mean, you look at people who believe these doctrines. They were at the forefront of global missions uh, throughout the you know 16th, 17th, 18th centuries. So, like. 
it, it's hard to really say that it does not fuel <coughs> evangelism. But yeah, it can. I think for me personally, sometimes, it, it, I think it's just different. It can be kind of like, well, God's just going to do his thing. But that, that says nothing wrong about the doctrine. It just says there's something wrong with me and how I'm holding on to, to these, these truths. Um, okay. Let me, so there's two more uh, distinctives. The second one is really uh, important, but let me, let me just kind of uh, summarize in this way. Gospel-centered doctrine and preaching. So we, we're really committed to the gospel here. We preach the gospel, you, you'll see it sung in every song. Um, we, our services are, sh are shaped with some aspect of the gospel from beginning to end. Our council always some way comes back to the gospel. So what is the gospel? You know, everyone kind of says, um, you know, gospel, gospel, gospel. Um, so under B.2, the gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ and all that he did in his life, death, resurrection, and ascension to accomplish salvation for humanity. The gospel is therefore objective. It is a matter of history. It is what Christ did for us. No matter how we feel, the ground of our salvation never changes. Um, I could say more about that, but uh, you'll see that in that Jesus is kind of at the center of God's plan to save people for his glory, and that is at the center of everything we do as a church. That is something, um, and we would, yeah, those are, even if you don't go to this church, we would want you to go to a church that is gospel-centered, you know, that, um, so let me contrast, this is the only thing I'll say about this, let me contrast it with potentially a type of uh, non-gospel-centered church. Um, I, I kind of have come from some traditions where the gospel is seen as an entrance into your faith, and then you just kind of leave it there. It's like, mm. gospel is the track that you need to get into heaven. After that, you learn all these other things. You know, you learn how to be a super awesome Christian, you do, you know, you, all these things, but the gospel is left at the front door. Um, as kind of a way to get into heaven, but really not much else. Um, we're, we just don't see that's how scripture talks about the gospel. We see that the gospel has enduring significance for our daily lives. Um, the person that just got saved needs the gospel. I need the gospel just as much as that person. No less. No less. Um, and I'm going to need it just as much 30 years from now. And that's a conviction we have, and that's why our preaching... Uh, you know, when you're listening to our sermons, I mean, you know, Steve will say this, we're pretty average, maybe below average preachers, but like there's some, there's a couple things you can count on every week that you will hear Christ crucified at some point in the service. You know, that that is our hope. Uh, all our preaching aims to exalt Christ and our, put our hope in what he has done for us. Um, so maybe we kind of, do a terrible job with the text that we're preaching that week happens. But this is something solid we'll land on that will give everyone hope every week um, in whatever we're going through. So that's that's something uh, distinctive. What's that? Oh, it to totally is. I'm just like, well, I, I don't know where I'm headed pretty much every week up. in one sense. Yeah. <laughs> Let me read bullet number two at the end of that section. At Sovereign Grace Church, our goal is to keep the gospel at the heart of all we do. It will be the substance of our proclamation, the source of our motivation, and the fuel for our adoration. 
We will do all we can to ensure that our zeal for the gospel is never eclipsed by any other doctrine, teaching, or practice. Our commitment to you is that, with all our might, we will endeavor to keep the main thing the main thing. And I think, I think Steve has really led well in that. Number three, potentially um, longer, but let me just kind of say, uh, so continuationists in our pneumatology. Do I want to talk about this right now? Yeah, because we have four next week. Um, so, it's really short. Let me just read that first section. We believe the Holy Spirit desires to continually fill each believer with increased power for Christian life and witness, including the giving of his supernatural gifts for the building up of the church for the various works of the ministry of, in the world. We are eager to pursue God's active presence in all his breath that Christ may be magnified in our lives in the, and in the church and among the nations. To say we're continuationist, that word, means we believe that the present-day work of the Holy Spirit in many ways that the Spirit is described and manifested in Scripture. Um, so, easiest way to, to describe this is to contrast it with churches that are not continuationist, uh, whom we love as well, but I came from an Assemblies of God kind of background, so this is kind of a very dear doctrine to me because um, combined with the Reformed stuff, it kind of made the experience stuff so real. It kind of made God personal, someone I can talk to, someone I can commune with throughout the day. Um, um, so, so it's it's something that we're growing in as a church. But so, um, sometimes people think that um, when we say continuationism, we're kind of just talking about the um, miraculous gifts. But that that is something we are trying to say. We are trying to say that all the gifts of the Holy Spirit that were present in the New Testament are available to believers today. Yes, God sovereignly distributes those gifts according to his will and by his spirit, but they are all available today. There's no reason we see in scripture um, that they are not to be used today. Um, so there are churches that would not um, buy that. And that's okay. We feel like they're missing out, uh, but they're still solid churches that we, you know, um, uh, that we would partner with. Um, but, um, so, so when we talk about the work of the Holy Spirit, there is a broad work of the Holy Spirit that we don't want to minimize. You know, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, eternal, fully God, and He is at work in causing us to be born again, in causing us to see the beauty and glory of Jesus. The Holy Spirit illumines us um, as we read Scripture to, to see God's truth. The Holy Spirit comforts us. So it is a daily life of dependence uh, on the spirit is what we're trying to cultivate here when we say continuationism. Um, so we're not trying to like overemphasize like every week, like, hey, we're doing healings and like uh, we're praying for, you know, <clears throat> um, prophecy and, and tongues. Yes, we're doing those things and I think they are available to us all the time. Um, actually, in our morning prayer from 9.30 to 10, that one of the preaching pastors, like, that's one of the things we're praying for is the Holy Spirit to work uh, in us to among the body really so that those gifts could be manifested in different ways um, but the Holy Spirit is working in a lot of mundane ways as well and that's not something we're minimizing uh, every time the Lord puts someone on your heart to even just go and ask how are you doing um, can I pray for you uh, or the Lord just brought the scripture to mind to encourage you or I just got this image 
of uh, a picture of something, not fully sure what it means. Um, so, so a practice of this, we did a whole class on it last year. Uh, it's kind of hard to fully boil it down. But sometimes that's why we have a mic up front on Sunday mornings as well. Um, uh, the mic is used sometimes. You'll hear someone come up from the congregation and share with the pastors, like, hey, I feel kind of compelled to share something with the church. It could be a word of encouragement, a word of wisdom, um, or something they just feel compelled um, to, to pray over the congregation, um, or to pray specifically for healing for particular things. All of those things have happened here at our church. So how the simply how that works is you kind of, if you're ever feeling that, Impression. If all of this is super weird to you, totally fine. Like just observe, um, um, and when things happen, you can ask questions. And totally, we're totally open to that. But people will come up, kind of share something with the elders, and really the two things we're trying to like. People always wonder, like, hey, how, what do you, how, do you have? Some, do the elders have some like secret knowledge to determine to let someone go up to the mic? Not at all. We're we're just totally normal people. We're just trying to see is it. Is it in accord with God's word? And like, does it kind of like fit with what we're already kind of doing? And, and it's, you know, it shouldn't just be disruptive or something so out of left field that like, um, it doesn't make sense right now. So um, it's rare that something is totally unbiblical that's kind of brought to us. Hopefully people are just being disciples in general that things are biblical. But sometimes people bring things and we're like, hey, we're just not sure if, um, we're just not sure if this is for the whole congregation potentially, so maybe like hold on to that, and maybe we'll, we'll just kind of process this with you. So, it's a it's a kind of subjective aspect to our relationship with God and our practice as a church, right? So it's not, um, so it doesn't mean that everything we do in this area is always like perfect, uh, but we're totally okay with that. We're just kind of like as long as it's not like unbiblical or like you know completely. Uh, off center, which we were kind of never had to deal with that. It's okay. Sometimes you come share things, and it's like it may land flat on most of the congregation, um, but it may be just for one person, you know, and maybe the Lord is using that to strengthen and build up and encourage their faith. Um, that's happened. I mean, I'll be completely honest with you. I'm like, I come from a Pentecostal church. I'm thoroughly convinced of these things. Um, but oftentimes when people share prophetic words, they kind of land a little like, eh, I think that's true. Um, I, I know that's true, but, you know, whatever. Um, but I'm in, not, I'm in enough people's lives here to know that there's usually somebody who will be like, that just rocked my world. And I'm like, wow, that is awesome. That's how God works. Is like sometimes words like these are for a few people or one person. Um, and to show God's care for even that individual through something like this, it's humbling to me. It's kind of like, okay, um, that's pretty cool. Um, so more on that. Uh, any kind of is that kind of new category for anyone in here? Like um, pursuing the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. Um, it's new as in like, what does it look like practically laid yeah. out and in personal. Nearness. Yeah. Like proximity. Uh, so. To God or to each other? Um, to each other and maybe even just the language in general. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like I grew up more like um, in the Bible word, you yeah. know, that sort of stuff. And honestly, I feel like God has brought me through 
and taught me a bunch of this aside from it. Mm. And so now he's bringing me back into the language that everybody talked and is like, oh, that's what that is. Mm. So it's been like really rich, but you know, seeing that intangible with other people on that same page acted out is new. Last, last year's Wednesday night series is amazing. Yeah. On the Holy Spirit, like he did, Steve taught on it for weeks. Yeah. If you yeah. get on the church app, you can access them really easily. Yeah. I think there's like 10, 10 weeks on that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this part, it excites me. It is new. Yeah. And like, what does it look like? And I've seen enough like outskirt tangibility that I've also seen areas where it's also had harm oh, yeah. people. Yeah. So it's like, 100%. it's very interesting and curious and just like... Yeah. The beautiful mess of God working <laughs> and his refined people and all. Yeah, uh, I mean, as much as I love my background and love for this, I think there was some level of harm. And, you know, when things are subjective, it's, well, I don't know, we're just so good at messing things up. But when mm -hmm. things are subjective, we can really use it to manipulate people very easily, right? Um, God said this, or you don't do that, or, no, oh, I can't do this, God told me. Um, you won't hear that language here. You may. I mean, we're, I'm gracious with language in general. It's like, um, in general, we try to use words like, I feel like the Lord said, or, um, but we do feel like God is speaking through these gifts. So it's not like we're trying to say he's not speaking, but we're also holding it with kind of loose hands. Like, Hey, I, this needs to be subject to scripture and okay if I'm wrong, you know. And if we all kind of come with it with that same attitude, then it's like, man, like, that could be really powerful. And we can kind of guard against manipulation and make, you know, using the God. And then the other of, like, not quenching and, and like, stopping with God and all this first doing because they're like, nope, not even going to go there. Yeah, 100%. I would say if we're in, sorry, Kyle, you're right. No, I mean, I, I love what she's saying. You know, I hear you saying, I think, two passages. You got First Thessalonians 5, it says, mm. don't despise prophecy. Yeah. But it also says, hold fast, that is good, let go of every form of evil. And then you've got First Corinthians 14 that talks about prophecy playing out. And you even have prophets interrupting each other. Yeah. And you have an obligation for the congregation to test and to and I hear that language and what you're saying of like hey maybe something like does that resonate with you and if it doesn't it's that second doctrine that gospel centered approach that Sovereign yeah. Grace has that's kind of the bedrock that helps us navigate through that Be like okay we don't have to shut the doors of the church because we don't know what to do with this we do know what to do yeah. with it and we know who does yeah <laughs> we're, we're at the time you know right we say, hey, yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of this, I don't know if you guys have read The Cabin. Um, oh, it's really good. So it, it basically puts uh, like the, the three uh, Holy Trinity figures in like people form. This You're talking about The Shack. The Shack. shack. Oh, the shack. Yeah. oh, yeah. I'm going to say It's The Shack. It's The Shack. Sorry. I'm like, they're, they're both forms that are kind of off the yeah. beaten path, right? But it just—I love the way that they personify the Holy Spirit. It's just like this breezy thing, and it was really hard to identify. Uh, versus God and Jesus were so concrete in uh, how they were—they. <laughs> that's so funny. I messed it up. But they—they uh, they were very just when they're—they're they're explaining the Holy Spirit. She was just very. I, I think like wispy and breezy are the two words I wanted to 
to characterize. It's been half a decade since I read that book, but um, it's just it, it, it's hard because like like obviously Jesus, we walk with Jesus. We 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 have chapters and chapters of red text for what Jesus is saying to us. We don't necessarily get hard red definitive lines for the Holy Spirit. Um, so that that's uh, it's hard to pin it down, but um, I just I think that it's so exciting that we have that whole series going going and talking about um, who the Spirit is and how how He helps us in our walk, and yeah. it's just such an important part of how we operate as Christians. Yeah, and love that. But um, thank you, Dan. <laughs> Thanks for sharing. Sure. No, that's all good. <laughs> I yeah, I remember my my sister-in-law asking me. If I or or sharing her experience of distinguishing if the Holy Spirit was talking to her versus Jesus or the Father, and that was like a new, like, question of like, oh, there's there could be different relations of God, you know, speaking or being, and so that was an interesting like gateway into a new like curiosity with God, being like, what do you say of this, and like a whole new realm. It's like there's more and deeper of knowing God, which is the exciting part of being yeah. believers. Is it's a continuum of growth. Yeah. <laughs> and we don't have to rush, we don't have to figure it out in time. Like, he's gentle and passive. Yeah. That's good. Um, all right, let's, let's, um, we could talk about this forever, <laughs> but we're, we're going to have to, let me, let me pray, and then we'll prepare for um, going to worship. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for this morning. Thank you for just even this brief time together to consider truths about who you are and, um, Lord, how you love us, how you care for us, how you provide for us. Um, Lord, we do thank you for your spirit. And, um, Lord, we, we wouldn't be here apart from your spirit. Um, you have opened your eyes by your spirit, and we thank you for that. Um, Lord, even this morning we pray as we gather to worship you and thank you. Lord, I pray some of these truths would bolster our worship and thanksgiving and praise, uh, Lord, that you are worthy of. Um, so help us, Lord. And, and Lord, you know our lives. You know our weaknesses, our sins. You know our uh, just unanswered questions and doubts. Um, Lord, we bring all of those to you. Um, knowing that you are a sympathetic high priest and that we can come to you at any time that we need mercy and grace. So Lord, we come to find mercy and grace in time of need. And Lord, we do pray that your gifts would be poured out among your people, Lord. Put people on our heart to speak to and to encourage and to pray with. And, um, and we just pray that you would be glorified today in all that we do. In Jesus' name.